Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Master as he travels the Vortex and arrived at episode number 469. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. No clever witty open? No clever witty open. And you will obey me. (laughs) (laughs) We should have turned it over to Sean this week. It would have been for (laughs) I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Did you guys do anything this week? Um, I did not. You did nothing? <laughs> I did nothing this week. Wow. Well, the kids' colds came back. So oh, yeah, it's kind of hard to do anything that's, with That's why kids. we pushed off, because I was up at 3.30 in the morning with Liam, who wouldn't go back to sleep Sunday night. So oh, no. I was very tired last night. Sean, what'd you do? We did some, uh, we went out and took a, a very nice uh, kind of walksies. Uh, last week, we were going to go to uh, Baldwin for the uh, Maple Leaf Festival, uh, which wasn't really a Maple Leaf Festival because, well, there are no festivals right now. I mean, it's COVID. Come on. Um, but we thought, well, we'll go look at the Maple Leaves. But then it was so blasted windy <laughs> on Saturday. Oh, I know. It was terrible. We kind of thought, well, there won't be any leaves left. So uh, <laughs> we just went to the park and even still had a few times where we thought maybe Shy was going to blow away. <laughs> to, to, to quote the book we're currently reading, it was rather blustery of a day. <laughs> but um, we, we got some leaves and came back and did uh, uh, leaf rubbings. I saw you know, Where that. you color over them with the crayons. And so that was fun, just kind of a, an old school childhood yeah, uh, memory I, resurgence. I out. had not done that since I was a kid, and I saw that on your Facebook feed, and I thought, or maybe it was Mel's, but I saw that and I thought, why did I never do that with my kids? It was kind of fun. Good. they're they're old enough now you'd get pretty ones Uh, no (laughs) they're old enough now that they would look at me and go really dad (laughs) Ah, we had fun oh i'm sure it would be a blast but getting them to do it and getting them involved that's the challenge i I, i've I've even come to the conclusion that i'm 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 buying up comic book or not comic uh, coloring books anytime i see them uh, planning on having an adult coloring party at some point mm, mm, just because mm. I get so much enjoyment out of it whenever I do it with shy that it's like, I'm just going to invite my friends over. And we're, uh, <laughs> we're gonna, I got Captain America. I got, you know, we're all set. I got coloring books. Galore, I've, got, so. I've got the doctor who one. I think I'd have that one. You know, I can't bring myself to actually color in that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, 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 I put it on the printer and make copies anytime I want to go to that one. <laughs> because I want to color, but I'm an adult. Uh, so, so did that and then uh we we uh, uh since it was so kind of cold we uh we made a big pot of chili and watched harry potter pretty much all day on uh, on sunday so we got through the first three mm, wow and uh just decided yeah we're just gonna keep going we're gonna mm. eventually sit down and watch the terrible fourth one yeah uh, but uh you know, go back through and just just have fun with that i uh even though We've decided that we don't typically do this for <laughs> the animated ones. I picked up the Faceless Ones novel, Target novelization, and started it. So mm-hmm. I just w- I wanted to compare it to the, at least for my own satisfaction, to compare it to the DVD when we review it next week. So, all right. Well, should we move on to news? Lots of news this week. There was lots of news. Uh, Big Finished announced a new box set called The War Doctor Begins. 
<laughs> Seriously? That's what it's called. The War Doctor Begins. <laughs> I, did... well, I guess it's a series. I, not, I did. Not, not I'm sorry. I, I just... What's so funny about that? It's a ridiculous title. The War Doctor Begins. Oh, yeah. It's and... almost as silly as Batman Begins. Well, that's just it. We've already had this. It's, it's the... The, the height of pretentiousness to the war doctor because we've we first of all we know the story it was doctors one through eight <laughs> I mean, uh all right i'm sorry it just struck me as funny go ahead i'm all right well they're doing a box set of the early years of the war doctor how about that and they've recast Obviously, because John Hurt has passed away with a man named Jonathan Carley. And we've already Jonathan, gotten we've gotten a little taste of him already as the War Doctor. And he did a really good job. So he was the voice of the War Doctor in Doctor's Assemble. Ah. Yeah. And well, he, he does a very good John Hurt. He was spot on, I thought, in that. So. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about the story placement, but the idea of more War Doctor stories excite me, so... I'm sure that'll be good. Well, what do you mean about the story placement? That it starts right after his regeneration? Yeah, I guess it just doesn't feel like, is that area really necessary to explore? Well, it hasn't been yet. I think that's what I like about it. In fact, I think that the ones that they did with John Hurt, he was much older. It was closer to um, Time of the Doctor, or Day of the Doctor. And I think that, that this is the perfect era. In fact, if you're going to recast the War Doctor... Pick somebody younger and go back and go up to the John Hurt stuff. I think that's just fine. And and then at some point in the future, if you wanted to go beyond the, what was it, six stories that Hurt did or eight stories that Hurt was managed to do for, uh, and then if you want to do those stories in between Day of the Doctor in that particular set. But I, I, I think it's a great idea to go back and, and do some of the early stuff. What, what led to the, you know, the lead up to what we got before in big finish. I think that that's what I'm most excited about. What drove him to know more. Yeah. Yeah. There's the eighth doctor trust in big finish. So they'll always put out good quality stuff. Yeah. I'm not worried. Okay. (laughs) What do you guys think about the recasting? I think they couldn't have chosen somebody better. I think he's fantastic. I agree. I think we had talked about, Oh, either earlier this year or last year about when is the right time to recast uh, the War Doctor. And I think at this point, I think especially hearing the the touch that he puts on it, I think it's it's very much in respect of, of John Hurt. And I think that I'm perfectly fine with the recasting for this. Yeah, I agree. Um, while there's a part of me that always bristles a little bit internally at you, what? How dare you recast somebody? Um, it's been long enough uh now and 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 maybe it's because john hurt had such although an impactful run as the doctor such a small one yeah yeah um that maybe it's a little more accepting but yeah no i mean they they got somebody who can uh do it true to form in audio and i'm 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 totally all right with that not wild about the title but (laughs) clearly Just focus on the individual story title. Uh, I I shall have to do so. (laughs) (laughs) What else we have? 
Well, Glenn, tell us about Forgotten Lives. Well, uh, I will tell you about Forgotten Lives. There is a uh, charity book uh, coming called Forgotten Lives, and it is a it's a project from Overse Books, and it will help all else Alzheimer's research in the UK. And from the little blurb that I read about this, uh, it sounds like um, they're taking the uh, the inspiration is the artwork by Paul Hanley, and I think you guys have probably seen some of his art uh, over the years. He's done uh, he did uh, a piece that had all of the different incarnations, the masters. He's done uh, pieces with the, the doctors. He's incorporated you know some of the the non-canonical doctors as well he also did some artwork exploring the recently rediscovered doctors from uh, uh the uh, brain of morbius uh in which a lot of the doctor who staff were used in brain and morbius and those clips of potential previous doctor and in historical uh costumes and so these are kind of the, the forgotten doctors and they've used they've springboarded on that and they're writing this they're putting together this book based on previous lives of uh the uh the doctors prior to the first doctor's incarnation. So um and then uh, 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 Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> what's wrong with that? There's nothing but disappointing news for Sean. What's it, it, what's it, wrong it, with that, Sean? It it reeks of Chibnall. I am. I, I'm sorry. You guys know I've never been a fan of this idiotic notion that oh well, all those faces in the glass were were you know previous doc. No, they were just Morbius because he's older. It's fine, but okay, we all want to make it canon. So here's some more fodder for the argument. Well, it's not an official BBC book, so technically, it's yeah, not that's canon. that's true. It's, and it's, I, not 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 to dash any but... disparaging remarks against the artwork because the guy is phenomenal and he does beautiful drawings and. They're, they're very good. I just, I don't need more backstory for people who aren't important, especially if you're going to get it wrong. But that's my own personal headcanon, so I'll live with it. I'll just sit over here quietly, drinking my tea. That's none of my business. <laughs> Tonight, the part of the grumpy bear will be played by Sean. <laughs> War Doctor begins. So I think it's a uh, it's a great idea, especially since Doctor Who has canonized all of those as previous doctors. Oh, and you would. I think it's a great idea that uh, we can get some stories that that actually you know um, uh, purport what might have uh, been adventures by these previous doctors. I think it's a, a good idea. Um, I think that there are several people uh, lined up. Uh, to write stories, uh, they've named a few of the authors. I was—I don't know any of these people. Uh, Simon Butcher Jones, Kara Dennison, Paul Driscoll—that sounds familiar. Uh, Andrew Hinkley or Hinky, um, but they're expecting to publish this book late in 2020, and which I think is kind of interesting that they haven't done a lot of details on this. But it sounds like the book's probably already pretty close to done if they're going to publish it before the end of the year. I think it's cool that it's also for a charity. Yes, that's the yes. most important thing is it'll be raising money for Alzheimer's research. That I have zero problems with. That, that is a noble <laughs> endeavor. I'd so, hope not. We'll keep an eye out for that, and uh, Keith and I will review that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have, Keith? This is what happens when I miss the pre-show meeting and don't pay attention to the news stories. I get surprised, <laughs> and then I get grumpy. <laughs> Is it the surprise that grump is making you grumpy, or the content? Man. Both. No, okay. I don't. I don't. I don't mind surprises. <laughs> I, let me rephrase. I don't mind good surprises. <laughs> How's this for a good surprise? 
Uh, they are releasing a collection of short stories that were part of the Doctor Who lockdown in charity, or in and part of the proceeds go to children in need. So there's 16 stories that will be included in this, including things like a message from the Doctor, things she thought while falling, it's the secret of novice Haim. So some of the things that were just videos will be scripted out. But then there will also be some three brand new stories from Neil Gaiman, Mark Gatiss, and Vinay Patel. So three Neil actual Gaiman? three people who worked on the show. That's Neil Gaiman wrote a story. One virtue, a thousand crimes is what it's called. So, Sean, what do you and, hate about this? <laughs> um, I, I hate that I've already read 90% of the book. <laughs> well, there's actually two Neil Gaiman stories in it. Yeah, because I, I, I am very Gaiman, excited. Over Gaiman the fact wrote that one of the ones that was released during the Oh, lockdown. Rory's story. Yeah, that's right. I'm very excited that they saved Neil Gaiman for when they want money. So I, I will I will happily <laughs> cough up some coin. Oh, that's the way you I look at it. get a little bit of a preview of what he wrote in David Tennant's podcast. No, I don't want to know. He talks I, about I, it a little bit. I want to be surprised. <laughs> Then I can be angry later. <laughs> Keep up, Keith. <laughs> oh, you want to be angry. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, if I'm going to be cast in the role, I might as well, you know. <laughs> well, I think ultimately it's a good idea. And I, I, I think that uh, it, it puts that those people's things, you know, out there in the world and it goes further to canonize them. And I think it uh, also, because it goes to a good cause for children in need, um, will likely be sanctioned by the BBC, unlike the uh, potential of forgotten lives uh, I think the BBC will, will put its st- stamp of approval on this one and so it will be official canon it's even got the official logo on it so yeah, yeah. the last bit of news um, Doctor Who's doing another watch along going to do uh, an interactive Twitter event like they did during the lockdown um, and everybody's getting back together on Twitter uh, one more time, hopefully not for the last time, on Halloween at 7pm UK time which will be about 2 o'clock our time central and we're watching What's, what's the Halloween story? What is We're it? What watching is it? Blink Series uh. 3 episode of Blink What? <laughs> Come on you like Blink? I've seen it <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a more apt episode of Doctor Who to, to watch on Halloween. No, I kid. It's, of course, wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's no horror thing rock, episode? but uh, it's no brain of Morbius. <laughs> um, those it's no family of blood. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, they haven't announced yet if any stars of the series will be joining along in the tweet-along, but um, I think there's always a chance since a lot of them... Uh, uh, pitched in for a lot of the lockdown events so we shall see in the next few weeks i think that does it for news all right shall we move on to our reviews let's move on to our reviews uh first set is tales of the dark times episode one and two and i think this is one that kind of slipped past our radar early on in planning this uh these are actually two stories that you can get if you have the doctor who comic maker app um, on either ios or android Uh, the comic maker app just a brief description is pretty much how it's described Um, you can download packs that have various doctors and uh, like the TARDIS and different scenes and backgrounds and you can build your own comic and each of the packs that you buy that contain doctors and images from Doctor Who, they're, they're very cartoon like but doctors and images each pack comes with its own individual comic that the makers of this app have put together and in conjunction with uh, Time Lord Victorious event they have added two 
uh, downloads of comics that they have created inside the app that go along with this event. So uh, the first one is, as I said, uh, Tales of the uh, Dark Time Tales, yeah, Tales of the Dark Times, Episode One, and it features the Tenth Doctor and Brian the Ood. What do you guys think of these? It's 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 kind of difficult to, to review these in such a way because they're really just kind of simplistic, fun little jaunts. Um, they're more like comic strips. Than yeah, comics. yeah. It kind of reminds me of comic strips you would find in the back of like a magazine that have a very simple story. Um, I think it was uh, IDW did this when they had the Doctor Who license. At the back yeah. of their at the back of their magazines, they always had kind of a, a more light hearted. Uh, more cartoony story at the end. And while I think Rose I, the cat or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that these particular stories are necessarily, I mean, they're a little more lighthearted. I think, and I don't know even if lighthearted They're they're a little more saccharine, I guess I should say, uh, than I think some of the material we've been reading, but they're not, you know, fun, funny, whimsical ones like those, but they still kind of strike that, uh, strike that feeling with me. Yeah. They definitely honestly, have the same feel. No, honestly, I, I was, uh, kind of reminded of the, uh, uh, the TV strips. Um, what were they called, Glenn? The ones that, uh, the, the first doctor and second doctor were ones. Oh, you talking about the ones in the, uh, action and, and TV and 21 TV, 21 comics. Are those the ones you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of similar to that. I think in, uh, yeah, maybe so with with more of a simplistic style too, but yeah, yeah, I would I would I can see where you're coming from. There's not a lot to this first one, um the doctor, 10th doctor, uh already in Time Lord robes. So I'm not sure we know where this exactly is placed. I think it's after the events of the book obviously, but could be between this book and the next book that's coming out or could be set during maybe the first part of the next book. Um, but it's not real clear when it is, but the doctor's been kind of standing alone in the desert, um, spiraling further into his um, self-induced breakdown. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, although I get the impression that these little things that the doctor can see that Brian necessarily can't are some sort of um, parasite entity that is feeding on the doctor. Did you guys not get that as well? Uh, I think that's reading a little bit more into it than I did. You think so? The, the only reason I say that is because Brian does take his little, um, takes Mr. Ball and uh, zaps them. And so that makes me wonder if maybe they are a real manifestation and not something that's necessarily in the Time Lord's mind. Well, I think they're, yeah, I think they probably are true. They are real, but I guess I, I didn't get the impression that they were zapping his life or... Oh, you don't think they were feeding on him? You think Brian was just using that as maybe a metaphor or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I suspect if we wanted to read more into this than probably what's actually here, um, the entity, I took the entities as, as real and that the doctor um, saw them as, oh, look, they're, 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 they're great. They're things of, of good. And Brian saw them for what they actually were, yes. which were these yeah, energy vampire things. Um, <clears throat> but I, I wonder maybe if we wanted to read a little more into that, maybe it's because there's a part of the doctor psyche that has recognized that he's gone off the deep end and uh, as, as it were, and that he's so desperate to now find something good that he completely overlooks the truth of these things. He doesn't see them for the true nature because he's only focused on the part of them. That's like, yes, I'm going to do some good. Yes. Even though in his mind, you know, he's been doing good all along by wiping people out. Right. Right. Uh, no, I, I completely agree with you, Sean. I think that maybe there is that, that, that side of it that, that that plays to that um 
but yeah, I too kind of thought that they were. I, I thought maybe the idea that he was helping them had kind of manifested itself in his mind. Um, and that they were, that these, whatever this entity was, these little energy vampires, as you called them, eloquently called them, Sean, um, I think is, uh, was taking advantage of that. And I think the reason why he thinks he's, he's off doing good is, is at the, even at the end after Brian helps him, he says, let's get out of here and do some good. And so you, you kind of wonder if that's the setup for another, you know, further delving into the madness and misunderstanding his good intentions or, or misrepresenting his own good intentions. Entirely possible. The next one I thought was a little more of an interesting story. And it's a little longer one as well. Um, yeah, it was. There's a lot of setup here for something that isn't really so much. Uh, we don't know too much about the Daleks and what's going on. The only piece of the Daleks I believe we've gotten so far is the story in the Titan comics at the beginning of all this uh, with some of the setup. Uh, but we find out a little bit more that the... Daleks are coming to allegedly help the, uh, was it the Velotians? Yeah, Velotians. Um, And they think that the Daleks are going to save them from the bringers of death, which I can only assume that they're referring to the um, uh, Keturah. So I'm assuming when they say the bringers of death, they're talking about the Keturah. Oh, it says, uh, I guess they do refer to the Keturah because they say when the Daleks come in the ships, they say, oh, it's not the Keturah. Um, Keturah. Keturah, yeah, Keturah. And uh, so the Daleks come under the guise that they're there to help. Uh, But I think they're, I think it's divulged later that they're really kind of using them. Um, in fact, that's why they only round up the useful ones. And when the musician, was it a musician that comes later in the comic and they say, we don't have any need for a musician. Yeah. We have no room. They tell him for musicians. Yeah. And they want to harvest them and have their specimens. Yes. For what we don't know, but it makes me wonder if that's going to be another tie in somewhere. I felt this was a, a longer piece that didn't need to be longer, but I felt like there was more kind of going on here than in that first comic. It's almost like they decided that they wanted to kind of do more of a longer form piece, but weren't sure how to do it in this format. Um, so it, it comes across as, a, as kind of middling because they don't really get to the point of what's happening until you know, very late in the comic. Um, rightfully so. I mean, they didn't want to give away the, the, the surprise that at the end that the Daleks, I mean, we like we suspect that the Daleks were really there to help them, but um, they don't That's want to give, point out. Yeah, they don't want to give that away too soon, but I also think that it, it, it feels a little dragged out, if you ask me, for this for this kind of style of storytelling. Yeah, I would have liked to seen what their real intentions with the aliens were as opposed to just oh look we're gonna turn our we're gonna turn on them yeah of course you are you're daleks right do (laughs) it's very tropish surprise yeah yeah i i'm also hoping that perhaps this story will is just a a piece in the puzzle that will kind of be you know that that plan will be divulged later maybe specifically in the um daleks uh series or in the uh big finish audio that's coming up uh, on the schedule uh, uh, with the eighth doctor and the Daleks. I'm hoping maybe that this will tie a little better into that when we've got more of the story. Yeah. I'd like to hope so too. All right. Well, should we, anything else on these two stories before we move on? I think the cartoons are cute. They are cute. And the app, the app's a lot of fun. It's, it's free to download and you get some of the uh, little 
pieces of it for free. Um, but you do have to end up you know, these particular comics. I think were ninety nine cents a piece to download. Um, the packs, if you get you know want to explore more doctors and build comics with more doctors, you do have to pay uh, a premium on there. But uh, it's yeah, yeah, it's pretty cheap. I think each of the packs is ninety nine cents, or you can buy the whole the whole set for like four bucks so it, it's really affordable it's it's a fun little app i've played around with a little bit and had cons- I actually got it months ago because i had considered doing a uh, youtube video uh review since i'd been kind of doing some of the game stuff on youtube but i never really got around to it so maybe it'll still be in the <laughs> coffers i don't know all right well let's move on to the uh short trips audios from big finish productions the soft shine of the glass caught another creature, an immaculate bearded figure, carrying a blue cylinder under one arm. The Master. Doctor Who, Time Lord Victorious. Short trips. Master Thief. You had the most glowing recommendation, she told him. The Advocate General is a good friend. He demurred. In fact, the Master had met the old woman just once for all of five minutes. She recommended you, too. I mean, the repository. Your personal service. Turning a corner, two guards stood in his way. They raised their weapons as the master raised his. Their screams reverberated down the dark passageway. More guards came running to intercept, but he cut them down without mercy. You will obey me. Lesser evils. Death descended on the planet Alexis, one bright and crisp, clear morning. The Katuru now bent and placed her hands on top of the dense litter of the forest floor. The creatures of and in the ground were drawn to her warmth and power. They came to her voluntarily. She brushed the carapace of a tiny globular bug and constrained it to a lifespan of weeks. A most intriguing species, said the man in black velvet. The woman didn't flinch, but incredibly, she hadn't known he was there. I take it, he said agreeably, eyes now on the woman, that I have the pleasure of addressing the due representative of the all-hallowed Cthulhu. I am your humble servant. He bowed though there was something playful, insincere in his movement. Did he dare to mock her? Now that I have your attention... <laughs> Big finish. We love stories. Dun, dun, dun! Oh, he gets a dun, dun, dun from Sean. I enjoyed this one, too. I liked it. I don't know what the tie-in to the bigger narrative is. Um, there's the, the story's oh. really good. It's very much feels like a Roger Delgado's doc, uh, master story. It really mm-hmm. feels in line with the character that was developed on screen in the 1970s, uh, during that era. Um, I think that the, uh, actor, and I can't remember his name, the, the guy that performs it, John Col- Colshaw. No, uh, yeah. Colshaw. Is that his name? Yeah. He does, uh, well, he does both Delgato and Ainley's Doctors very, very well, very convincingly well. Um, so I was very pleased with that as well. Um, 
again, I don't know where, you know, in the, in respect to Time Lord Victorious, this one doesn't really feel like it sets in uh, as well or, or, or why uh, this story ties in. I think Lesser Evils is a lot more obvious how it, how it ties to the larger narrative, but this one I had a little trouble, and maybe that was the problem I had with it is, I was I I maybe was maybe not as invested in the story. I it's a good story. I liked it a lot, but I don't think I was inve- as invested because I kept looking for the tie, and I kept I kept feeling very confused. You know what why it was what was going on here and what was happening. Uh, specifically, I mean I knew exactly what was happening, but specifically why does that make sense? Yeah, the continuous looking for the connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I don't think there is one so much in this story as it is it ties to the next story, which then ties to um, Time Lord Victorious. Well, so see, I think it's kind of a a daisy chain effect. And maybe you guys can help me out and explain how this story ties to Lesser Evils. Well, I think the what I took away from it is the alien species in Lesser Evils is a further step from the goo in this story. Like, it's all the same species. So the goo evolves into evolves those into things. these six-armed things that later evolve, evolve into the the uh, the guards and the, and the people that were on the vault. Yeah, that's ah. what I took away from it. Okay. I, 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 missed, that, that I missed that altogether. That could work. <clears throat> I, I, I did not I don't see that, but I guess that could work. It certainly like, creates a tie between the two stories because I didn't think there was, other than the fact that the master was in both of them. I really didn't see how anything from, oh, I'm completely blanking on the name of this story now. Master Thief uh, was this one. Master Thief, thank you. I didn't see how anything from Master Thief really tied into lesser evils other than it was the... You know, I, I, I retroactively, I suppose you could go backwards and say that the focusing crystal for the super gun that he used in this may have been one of those crystals from, but that it, it certainly wasn't implied that way. That's a stretch as well. I so think either way you go with it, yeah. How he got the gun in the the first story. I mean, it's it's just kind of okay. <laughs> I almost need to go back through and re-listen to Master Thief just to verify that, you know, because they talk about the planet in this other one, and I don't know if I remember hearing the name, but in Lesser Evils, at the very end, there's a reference to him setting up his own demise or something like that, which made me think, oh, he okay. furthered their telepathic abilities, which then caused in the future when he's at the repository to you know, everything that happened because of this future incarnation of what he did with the Katara Katura. Okay. Okay. I, that, that works for me actually. And now that you said that's, I, I was, I was struggling with the same thing that Sean was saying was there was no obvious connection to me, but until you pointed that out, you're right. He does mention about setting up his own demise in the end of this and I wonder if that's the hint that's supposed to drive you back to the idea that 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 is him affecting an earlier incarnation of himself indirectly. Okay, I like that. If in fact that's where they were they were going, and that's that's how they were using it. I wish they had 
maybe oh, just dis- been clearer about it. Well, I wish they had <laughs> described if that is the case, they had I wish they had described the 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 group that was on the vault as either six armed or, you know, I mean they they obviously the the connection for the primordial ooze that had this psychic ability that was you know had become latent in the in the generations later they they both shared that you're right the ooze and these six armed i can't remember what they called them but the six armed creatures of the um the planet that they're on in in, in lesser uh lesser evils both have a psychic uh uh Ability, so I suppose that there's a connection there. That was that I, I I'm a little better with that if that's where they were going with it. They're both good in, in the in the in the, in themselves. They're both good stories. They're both very interesting stories. Um, but I, I I kept feeling like I was pulled out of them trying to make those connections. And I wonder <laughs> if that's one of those instances where we're going to get another piece of the puzzle later that comes earlier, or or if there will be a some sort of retroactively explaining this is what this deal was because we, we, we know that you were confused, but we just wanted to tell this story. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because we, we do not, I mean, my, my brain, I I guess jumping ahead a little bit, but with lesser evils, my brain kept trying to place this as the master after he was stranded on planet of the cheetah people, even though Mm -hmm. obviously he's in the dark times (laughs) in order to meet the Keturu woman. So, there's no way that works unless something happens to him later that throws him back into well, time. Well, I don't. There's a reference that he's been banished by his own people. Yeah, to this right. planet. I mean, there's there's something that, that that has happened there, and we don't know what it is. So my 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 feverish brain kept trying to fill in that blank that wasn't there. I, I kind of agree with Glenn. It was almost enough to pull you out of it. And kind of the same with this one, just from the standpoint where I think Master Thief is maybe a better, more complete story. Yes, agreed. It does not tie into the larger Time Lord Victorious, at least at this time. Right. As, yeah, as, obviously, as, as obviously. As obviously. Yeah. At least whereas Lesser Evils does. So. And I, I think Look, that the, the uh, where you're struggling there, Sean, though, is the I think it's OK to place that story after survival, because there's a lot of stuff that happens between survival and the worm that ends up or the, or the I guess. Yeah, the worm that ends up in uh, Eric Roberts character. Um, yeah, we don't know. I mean, there, the, there's a lot that happens before yeah, he's executed. A lot of the prose has filled in some of those gaps, but there's a lot of time. He obviously gets off the, the, the planet in survival. He obviously escapes that planet. He may have escaped that planet and got somehow went back to the dark times. But I think that that's that that's the problem. The other problem that I have with this is that now that we're we've kind of moved on to lesser evils. I I enjoyed the the ride of him trying to get down into the the vault and steal whatever he is he's wanting. And then the fact that all of this leads to his regeneration, I did not see coming and thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I thought the entire ride throughout all of it and then seeing him become sympathetic as a character um was a great way to do a story with the master and have you still kind of root for the bad guy at the same time so did you presume that he regenerated Uh uh-huh that's interesting because i didn't get that either i didn't get that at all (laughs) and i'll tell you why i didn't because I, i think part of it is i'm stuck in my head with the crispy master that we see in uh deadly assassin to me is the delgado master that has 
just basically outlived his his regeneration cycle. He's at the end of because it's explained there that he is at the end of his regeneration cycle. I don't know that we get that information in Doctor Who proper that Roger Delgado is on his last regeneration, but we know Crispy Do- or Crispy Master is. And so yeah. my thought was that there was no regeneration between Delgado and um, I can't. I wish I could remember the actor who played him in that. It wasn't uh, it wasn't Jeffrey Beavers yet. It was uh, the previous guy. But anyway, I didn't. I I've always assumed they were the same. So I guess I never placed a regeneration in there. And nothing in here implied that he was going to regenerate. What it was implied was that he was going to forget uh, everything. And so I never got See, that he was dying. I just got that he was forgetting everything. And so that was why he recorded that to himself. Peter See, Pratt the was the one you're thinking Thank you, Peter play. Pratt. Yes, thank you. The implication I was getting was that he was dying and knowing that he would regenerate was why he wouldn't necessarily remember. Okay, so that puts an incarnation between... And I've always... I, I never assumed that Delgado was crispy. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I, I never did either. I don't remember if there was a piece of dialogue in there or not that indicated he was at his final regeneration and at uh, near the end of life. Yeah, I don't think there is um, in Delgado's tenure, but there certainly was in uh, when when Pratt took over. So right, yeah, that, well, that's what I mean. The is whole that, crux of what's going on with Crispy. I mean, right, 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 because he's trying to get a new regeneration cycle using the the. Sasha Rasslon and and all that, but I, I don't remember if there was a specific line that the doctor flippantly gave him about oh you regenerated again it didn't it went poorly or I, I seem to remember that but it's been long enough I don't remember the yeah, details that, of that particular episode and that but I'm with be, Keith I've yeah. never assumed that Crispy Doctor was Delgado Doctor I've okay. always thought there was a regeneration in there somewhere so that's a fault to me and that's why I didn't see that as a regeneration moment. Well, and Sean, he sets it up as regeneration. I, yeah. I mean, he sets it up at the end when he's recording a message to himself and they, they, there is a line in the story about regeneration is necessary. He doesn't come out and say that, but the, the, the narration, he's thinking that. Oh, I missed so that's that too. Just be, <laughs> that's just before he sets up and begins to record a message for himself saying, you, you, you won't remember because of this but you're me you're evil you're powerful you you have to complete what i set out to do which is the other thing that makes me think that eventually we are going to get more to this story because the whatever it was that he stole from this very cool underwater vault um obviously plays into a grander master plan haha, uh, <laughs> of, of, of what he's up to and so it would be kind of nice i i suspect they've pulled a moffat and they've maybe given us the beginning and the end of the master's take on what's happening during him during uh, Time Lord Victorious. But we haven't got any of the middle pieces yet. Mm, okay. There's also some line once he sits up and it was implied the way they phrased it made it look like he was looking at somebody else. Like the recording was of somebody else, not of who he is currently. Something like there was something along those lines at the very, very end of the story that made me also think that it was regeneration. Yeah, I just I, for some reason that all just went past me. I didn't, get, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> I think that's all I had on Master Thief. I really enjoyed it from the just the setup. Like I said, the vault itself. What what a great idea! Um, 
and I, I even my head cannon goes a little bit further to indicate that you know one of the security measures is that they can flood the tunnels or the vaults themselves since it's built under the water. I mean, I really went all out with the the the, the mental imagery of what this place was like. It's like, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and I like the fact that I'm a little disappointed that the, the, they we we get this kind of grand weapon. The, the de-evolution gun. Ooh, that sounds cool. And they, they kind of build it up for us at the beginning. And then ultimately, it's just a blam, and you're reduced to a pile of... It's like, wouldn't a regular gun have worked just as well? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, realistically. It wouldn't have the Master's Flare, though. Right, but I mean, he already has a... Uh, what is it? A, a tissue, tissue decompression. Decompressor. He's already got a cool gun. So other than setting up the events of the story... I don't know that he needed this. I, I it, it wasn't like he threatened somebody with it, and they were like, you know, and then he used it on somebody else, and then and then they saw the horror of what this was going to do to them. That would have been a you know a big impactful moment, but no, he just kind of starts blasting away, uh, and you know, with this very Dalek sound effect, and then he realizes his mistake that oh, uh, this is going to end badly for me because of what he learns. And um, I, I admire the security forces for for like not panicking. And uh, although, as they said, you know, we're on lockdown because we can't we cannot let any of the goop out mm-hmm. <laughs> because it would be detrimental to to the rest of the society. And I kind of wonder how you evolve from that in the first place. I mean, if you're so as a species, if you're so focused on feeding off the, the emotions and the energies of each other. How would you move on from there? It just, it raised a lot of questions for me. I was like, oh, this is really deep. This is cool. This is, and I know it's just a, a, a short trip. So we're only going to get an hour worth of this. And most of that's going to be taken up with the master. But yeah. this Not is Not even quite really an hour. Cool. I think there were like 40 minutes a piece. So. so there was a lot there that I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the setup of this. And what sold it 100% was this guy's impression of Delgado. Mm-hmm. He he just nailed it with how the the cadence and the rhythm and the mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 just the nature of the way that Delgado would speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the only thing missing was if the doctor had shown up and gone, "My dear doctor," that's the only thing we didn't get out of it. <laughs> I was super impressed with this guy. Yeah, so. in fact, I'm at a, I'm at a point where if they wanted to recast the uh, Delgado or the Ainley Doctor or a master with Colshaw, I'd be, I'd be more than happy with that. Now, do we know, has that happened yet already? Or, cause yeah. I, I was kind of under the impression that this is just the guy. But. Yeah, no, not, not officially. Now Colshaw, he's the one that's doing the brigadier. Now I think Keith pointed that out a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's also done imitations, a very passable imitation imitation while not in big finish, but uh, in other materials as the fourth doctor, um, and I think there's somebody else that he does, but I can't remember. Right chameleon. Off the top of my, yeah, chameleon. He does. He does chameleon as well. So, um, so there's you know he he's obviously an impressionist and is very good at it. And it seems like every time that he's introduced one of his renditions of a Doctor Who character, it's been pretty darn spot on. So yeah. So when Doctors assembled, he did the Third Doctor, Fourth Doctor, and Fifth Doctor. So there you go. So. 
the other thing I wanted to point to is because I struggled so bad trying to tie this to the larger narrative of uh, the uh, Time Lord Victorious, I went out to find out what other people were saying about this. And one of the things that I, I came across a few times, which I thought was interesting, was a lot of people are presuming that perhaps that uh, de-evolution gun is the same thing that the Katuru potentially used that that's where he got it from was the Kuturu in the dark during the dark times and this was perhaps maybe used on the hond and that's why they are in the state that they are because oh. they're described as uh very primitive nearly premortal uh beings so mm-hmm. i thought that was an interesting take on that i mean there's obviously nothing that confirms that but i thought it was a neat uh, a neat head cannon thing. Yeah, that's cool. I can go with that. Yeah, it works to help connect it, right? <laughs> and anything that helps. I, 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 I kind of wonder if maybe later on in this whole series we'll 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 be able to point to it and go, aha, that's how that connects. I think that at least I'm hopeful that's what happens. All right, let's move on to lesser evils. I enjoyed this one too. I, I liked, uh, and again, solely based on how well he encapsulated Anthony Annuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um I don't think it's any 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 secret that uh Anthony or Ainley yeah. uh Anthony Ainley is is kind of my master. Mm-hmm. Uh even though well technically the first master I would have ever seen would have been ping pong ball master. Um uh, demise. But uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> you can call him crispy all you want. I will always refer to him as ping pong ball high master. <laughs> but um I don't know. There was there was just something about the way Ainley played him. Even though I, I, you know, I'm aware that Ainley and and he, you know, maybe rightfully so, catches a lot of flack for kind of being a knockoff version of of, of Roger Delgado. But he had that sense of humor, whereas Delgado was more of a gentleman killer about him. Ainley had that mental patient killer. Uh, he, he was he was having fun you know what i mean well there's certainly a softer side to him which i think also comes across in this audio he can still be as maniacal as delgado's doctor uh, i keep saying doctor delgado's master was but ainley always had more of a subdued as you said kind of the mental patient version of 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 a bad guy yeah he's not that overt about it but just yeah just, he, he was so much more playful and uh you know when when he would he would talk and then suddenly he would start to laugh like he was privy to a joke that nobody else in the room had heard mm-hmm. or he would just think something was funny for no reason and he, it was a very quiet <laughs> as he chuckled to himself that nobody else was in on it and this guy nailed it so fantastically in his conversation and how soft-spoken he was even dealing with this Katura woman and how much danger he's legitimately in mm-hmm. And he knows it. I mean, you, you you get that impression that, you know, when she makes a move toward him and he kind of backs up. But yet he still manages to stand his ground and do it with all the hallmarks of Anthony Ainley's doctor. Yeah. That just, that that blew me away. More so than really anything that was divulged in the story. Mm-hmm. Well, in the story, it really has you on your back foot the whole, the whole at least it did for me the whole time. Because, you know, the, the master is actu- actually acting not in his own self-interest for once and in the interest of the species. And you're fully expect, I was fully expecting him to, 
wait for the other shoe to drop of, okay, here's what he's really doing and here's what he's really after. And there was no ulterior motive. He was actually trying to do something good for once. And it just makes you uneasy almost the entire time waiting for him to reveal what his true plot was. Yeah, unlike the Daleks when they are, oh, would you like some tea? And we're all going, nah, I don't buy it. The fact that he had been stranded on this planet for so long and that the first of the, uh, I, I kind of got at the impression that they were these, I don't know, six-armed orangutans maybe or, or something, but the, this alien Sloth, species. Yeah. Sloths. Actually, they, they, they my headcanon, they, they look a lot like the mystics from the Dark Crystal, but <laughs> that they would, you know, come down from the trees for a, a good pet. And it was like, okay, so maybe there's something to it. Maybe he has softened to the point. Oh, nope, nope. There it is. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> We've reverted to form. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on. I may have, I may have, maybe I gleamed too much out of this one. I, I assumed that we were meant to believe that it was out of the goodness of his heart that he was helping these the species but i also got the impression that his ultimate goal was to get one of these gems and that's why they turned on him when they realized his true intentions because they saw either into his future or his past or whatever it was they used their latent psychic or not latent but their their subdued psychic ability because we get sort of that flash forward of something and it's almost like it's a flash forward to something that he's intends to do and he needed one of the gems to do that and it ends up backfiring on me because he decides obviously the uh the whatever these inhabitants are called it backfires on them because it it shows that they sort of despite his misguided intentions to help them, they still end up making their own place with the Katuru by affecting... She doesn't end up giving them grace, as he's sort of asking for. She ends up giving them what they sort of ask her for in such a way, in, in, a, in a roundabout way. And I got the impression that that was the idea of the story, was that he may have had some good intentions and wanted to protect them, but he still had this ultimate goal. And when the elder of these, uh, I guess we could call them Alexians, I guess they're from the planet Alexis. Um, these Alexians um, were, when they realized his, when they recognize his true intention, they turn on him and that ends up not being their own demise, but it ends up putting their life sentence on them. I guess I didn't see it more as he had a scheme. He it was more that he saw an opportunity. Well, it and was trying to utilize the opportunity more than like he didn't obviously he didn't intend to come to this planet and intend to get stuck here in order to get these. No, I'm not saying that, stones. but I I think the idea yeah. was through the observation and through the realization of what these stones were he had formulated maybe a further plan from that point. So, yeah, I agree that I don't think he ended up here as a result of scheming, but I think he was scheming in all of this time that he had with these with this particular species. Sean, any thoughts on that? Did I miss did I just misrepresent the last part of this story or did or 
or what? I don't, I'm not sure. I think maybe I. Well, I think you're wrong all the way around, but that's you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, not just on I, this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I certainly didn't come away with that impression. Hmm. That I, I, in, in typical masters style, I think he was probably trying to make the best of a bad situation. Yes, agreed. That it, it, he was stuck there and that he couldn't do anything about it. And that once he began to notice the stones and what they could do or what he suspected that they could do, he began to formulate a plot for either this is going to get me off this planet or this will help me once I get off this planet. Mm-hmm. Either way, I, I think that was kind of in the in the in the forefront of his mind. Okay. Um, which she, you know, calls him out on. Right. And, you know, (laughs) there's something quite enjoyable about the master backpedaling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, it's it's almost, it's almost Mr. Burns like, oh, of course I wasn't going to feed, feed you the hounds. I just said, release the hounds. It had nothing to do with that. (laughs) It's, it's very much in line with that kind of, oh, come on, dude. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I certainly wouldn't. I, I I can't undersell the how good these two stories really are on their own. They're they're very enjoyable. Coleshaw's performance of of both masters is masterful, um, and I just I think they're they're well written stories. They make you kind of think they have they both have a bit of a twist at the end for each one of them, uh, which I think plays into the strengths of the storytelling. And overall, even without the Time Lord Victorious narrative, they're both very good stories on their own. I agree. Anything else on these? I, anything else on these two stories that uh, we need to talk about? If not, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up on the schedule, you would think it would be more Time Lord Victorious, and you would be wrong. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break from uh, this epic crossover event in order to uh, celebrate the finally uh, U.S. release of (laughs) The Faceless Ones on DVD. So uh, we're going to have some second Doctor action next week. It has been animated, and uh, we have not reviewed this one at all. So uh, technically part of the Lost in Time grouping, just because it's an episode we haven't done yet, although Glenn, I guess, will be the only person... uh, uh, covering the novelization because he was selfish. <laughs> Didn't tell us that ahead of time. Uh, so, you know, bully for him. You still have a week. But, uh, you can read it. <laughs> I'd have to get a copy. I'll <laughs> loan you a copy. <laughs> but, uh, yes, so The Faceless Ones uh, uh, next week. And then the following week, we will return to Time Lord Victorious with uh, another audio from Big Finish. He kills me. He kills me not. Uh, which we did check while Keith was off mic, and uh, it's only an hour uh, on that oh, one. Okay. Along with uh, Monstrous Beauty Volume 2, uh, or Issue 2, which is a uh, another uh, Doctor Who magazine comic from uh, Panini. Panini? Panini. 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 Uh, so back to that. Panini sounds like a uh, pasta dish. It's a sandwich. Oh, it is a sandwich. Panini. Yeah, you're right. It is a sandwich. Maybe that's why it reminds me of food, I guess. Yeah, it's like a grilled cheese. <laughs> it doesn't have to be grilled cheese. 
Be sure to check out the website, TravelingTheVortex.com, for any updates on this podcast. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on our Patreon link and consider supporting us. And thank you to those of you that already do. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. It helps bump us up in the ratings and uh, gets the recommendations out there. A little bit of word of mouth. Give us a little review there. And uh, make sure you join in the conversation in our listeners forum on Facebook. There you can engage with other listeners and share your thoughts and insights with us and others. Anything else we need to do before we close this show out, guys? If, I don't believe so. If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. No, I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. I am for not listening. a grumpy bear. <laughs> You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.